Welcome to the Youth Soccer in America podcast. I'm your host, Sean Kuykendall, along with Ben Mortimer. Ben, how are you? Well, thank you, Sean. This is going to be a podcast which we're going to talk about all things soccer and youth in the United States, going over various topics with clubs and the fields and coaching development from United States Soccer Federation, from parents to certain skills and just everything and anything to do with youth soccer in America. Uh, a little bit about ourselves. Ben, can you tell us a little bit about yourselves and a little bit of your background and where you're coming from? Yeah, I'm from England. I'm from a small town just north of the M25. Uh, and I grew up there and I came to the US to play Division One college. Um, obviously, my playing career started in England. I went through my youth, my representative teams, my academy teams, and then... Youth and rec, and then did you eventually get into some... Not uh, rec, rep. Yeah, you call it rep. I mean, so rep's a representative team. So you get selected from your school or okay. county to play for representative teams. So it's more through your school, not your club. Through the well, it goes through both. Okay, there's right. two different. And you got to uh, go on and eventually uh, get into some professional academies. Yeah, after playing for representative teams, I I travelled into Europe. I went to Holland, Belgium, France, played in various professional tournaments. Um, at the youth level with representative team from Arsenal and oh, then you go the Gunners after that I uh, played for England schoolboys and then when I didn't make the grade as a professional I came to the US to play at a Division 1 college here in Washington DC and try and get a bit of an education very good very good well I've uh, come from a different background I'm a, a local kid we're actually podcasting out of Washington, D.C. here. I grew up in Northern Virginia, just outside of Washington, D.C., playing in the rec and local uh, travel leagues with uh, Braddock Road Youth Club and and playing in ODP and doing uh, the whole shebang with uh, development through that with uh, with Gene Michelot, who was a fantastic youth coach and developed lots of players, and we won a national championship as well. Got to play in ODP with a lot of state and regional teams and was able to make the U16 youth national team, which was a great experience playing with uh, Landon Donovan, Demarcus Beasley, Gucci Anyewu, Kyle Beckerman. So it was really, uh, for me, it went through a lot of the whole the whole gambit of youth soccer here and I uh, got to play Division One college soccer at American University and uh, had a very good career there and been able to uh, play for a couple years within MLS, um, which was a great experience. Afterwards, I subsequently got into coaching, and uh, it's a passion of mine. I've been coaching in a, you know, excellent youth club within the area in Washington D.C. area, as well as an assistant coach at a Division One college program here. And Ben, I know you're uh, coaching as well. Can you tell us a little bit what you've been doing since playing? Yeah, I've been coaching various um, companies and clubs during my time here in the U.S. I've been working with a company that goes into schools, daycare centres and offers clinics for kids as young as three and up to the age of eight during the day and then in the evenings I've been working with clubs for rec and travel teams from the ages of U7 all the way through to U17 at the moment. I'm working primarily with the U7 to U10 age groups. That's great. Well, the first topic we're going to talk about, obviously, there's so much to talk about with youth soccer in America, but let's start. What's the goal that we should be having as a country for youth soccer in America? Well, it's a very expansive question. It's, it really is, to narrow that down as well. Ultimately, I think, is to create a fun environment for children to play and develop technically, 
and physically and hopefully become educated in the game so they become better players as they move into their teenage and college years. I mean, that's a lot of... uh, That's a very politically correct answer, a lot of jargon there in that. Uh, Yes, we want the game to be fun, but are we ultimately looking to advance the game? I mean, I I think one of our goals should be, as a country, should be to get to to develop top-level talent to compete for a World Cup. Now, that's probably more of the United States Soccer Federation's goal as opposed to as a cultural society goal that, uh, as America, we should have. And I think part of attaining U.S. uh, Soccer Federation goal of winning a World Cup is improving the cultural you know, awareness and knowledge and the whole development process, sort of, for lack of a better term, casting a bigger net, which then you will you know, scoop up more players and, and have a better chance of developing those players. So, you know, what's, I mean, I, what's the best way to get there? For me, I, I think the best way to get there is for us to continue to increase awareness and cultural education, and it starts from the top, the high-end game, with the average person enjoying English Premier League and national teams and the World Cup and and MLS and starting to uh, have a better education and awareness. I think the cultural change is going to happen over time. It's going to be a long, long journey for the US. Obviously, since 1994, when they hosted the World Cup, they've come a long way. It's come a long way. It's still got a long way to go. So I think, ultimately, the, the way that I try and impact it, and personally, the way I try and help the US become better is, I think I'm a decent coach, and I work with younger age groups. So I'm not looking to win right now with my U8, U9, U10 age group. What I'm looking at is giving them the skills and the techniques and hopefully planting a seed in them where they love the game and they want that to grow and nurture. So when they get 10 years from now, they might be competing for an MLS Cup or they might be... It's cliche. It's cliche to say trying to instill the love of the game. But truthfully, it really has to be because I think that's the basis of everything in terms of enjoying a game and for having... For having it to get better, if it's, for have, if it's going to get better, people have to love it and they have to love what they do and they have to have an interest in it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I didn't get to where I've gone from from just playing twice a week and a game at the weekend. That's for that's for a jogging exercise. That's not how it works, you know. If you want to become a decent player, yeah, you've got to practice any chance you get. You know, I used to take a ball with me to school. I used to kick it on the way to school. Any break or recess I had, I'd be playing soccer in the playground. All right, with well, my buddies. That, you, you talk about that. School. What's what's you had that. You had that. You had the love and a passion for the game. You played in the street. You played all the time. Um, what's who's going to be in charge of you know leading that directive? Is that something that comes down from U.S. Uh, soccer Federation? Because that's all organized football and soccer. I mean, and for you, it seemed like it came naturally, organically from the street and for you know yeah, playing from, on your own. Well, honestly, from from me, it came from myself. But Mom, you played on your own. But you also were watching English Premier League. You also were getting a taste. Yeah, for it. but it when was, I was growing up, the, the Premiership wasn't what it was now. There was no televised games when I was growing up. So rather than sitting in front of the sport. TV, I would go out and play football with my friends. Yeah. So there was no sitting in on a Saturday and watching games. And still in England now, you don't get as many televised games yeah. as you do over here. Which is so nuts. people play football. Little kids play football because it's fun, and they yeah. want to. They want to be like their heroes. But also, it's the only sport for most kids. You yeah. ask any little boy in England what he wants to be, he'll turn around and say, I want to be a professional footballer. You ask a kid here what they want to be, you get a thousand different answers. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I know that for me growing up, you know, without the neighborhood, we played street baseball, we played street football, we played all sorts of different sports and activities. Um, I obviously was trained I was blessed that my father played professional soccer and was able to train me and and have a uh, you know so I have a decent understanding growing up with the game but I wasn't able to play with other kids on the street because it wouldn't really be fun we couldn't really play 
And, you know, it was also, I lived in a suburbia, you know, suburban neighborhood where it was harder to kind of get enough kids that played soccer together. But, you know. You know, the know. fact that the U.S. Soccer Association or Federation's got an initiative to try and get kids to play on the street just shows how far removed What is that? that what is that initiative? Because I'm not even... I'm well, they've got a street soccer, soccer initiative. But it still isn't that organized. They have street soccer little tournaments. This is the point. <laughs> still an organized it's, street soccer. That's right? why it's not going to work. And you know, yeah. the, the kids nowadays... And it's not a bad idea. It's not a bad sentiment. It's just... It's still... You have to promote it. Well, and kids nowadays don't play out on their own. When I was a kid, I'd get home from school, bit, I'd sure. have a drink and I'd go out and play football. You'd have a drink? Yeah, not a beer. I was only a little kid. I'd have an orange squash. But, right, good. Just... You know, the kids the kids nowadays, they have scheduled play dates. Everything's scheduled. They have their after-school activities and enrichments, and then they go to their soccer practice. They come home from that. They have their dinner. They do their homework. They do Spanish class for half an hour, and then they go to bed. You know, there's too much going on for kids for them to be able to have free time to go out and be kids yeah. and play and kick a ball around. Well, and now we, do, we don't want to under... Uh... I guess understate the importance of a development and a curriculum and a process because it's like anything you do. If you put a bunch of, uh, if you have a bunch of third graders and you put some rocks on a table, uh, maybe through asking them to play with the rocks, they might start to learn some principles and understanding about splitting the rocks in half or thirds or a quarter. But if you don't actually have a set curriculum and plan, and it's sort of like a lot of coaches, I feel like in America and a lot of youth soccer coaches, they just throw a ball out there and say, hey, you know, kids go play, you know, this is the goal, score here, this is not the goal. And yes, the game can teach some things, but if you have a curriculum and a plan, you're going to get a lot more done and the coaching yeah. and the teaching and the understanding is going to improve. The, ga the game being a great teacher for me is a massive cop-out. Anybody who says yeah, that agree is that. just, you know, just turn around and, and basically saying, I can't be bothered to put on a decent session or to use best practice. Instead, I'm going to throw a ball in and let the kids play because, yes, in the right environment, the game is a is a great teacher and it can be can be learned from. Yeah, but how many times have you seen a kid with his back to goal turn against to a defender and lose it ten times in a row? And the game is teaching him right then and there to please lay the ball off or play the way you face, and and then he doesn't because there's no instruction, there's no one, you know. Well, yeah, and, and the, the age groups that I'm working with, the younger age groups, the introductory age groups, I suppose, from U7 through to U10, that age group, I primarily work on technique because, right. you know, without technique, the rest of the game is sort of pointless. Everybody at that age group, the parents especially, seem more interested in positions and tactics, but. Right, you know, if that's... you've got a little Johnny playing on the right wing and he's open all day, but no one can pass the ball to him, there's no point no in that point. shape. So what we try and work on is the technical side of the game where everybody has the ability to pass, dribble and finish at speed and with style. Yeah, and we understand there's a development process. We're not saying, uh, I'm not saying that we should be coaching, you know, you know, at six, seven and eight to the point where we are micromanaging managing the kids the game is the teacher and the fact that there's only so much that these kids can cognitively understand and be aware of and, and interpret. So it's all about technique, technique, skill, 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 and the learning to walk before you can run. So, I mean, yeah. you, can't, you can ask a kid to play a certain kind of ball, but if they can't physically actually do it, they're not going to be able to play that kind of ball. Well, so. this is the issue that we run into. I, I mean, I show every practice kids 30, 40 different things that they can go away and work on their right. own. Now, two or three of those kids out of, say, 50 might go away and do that. Yeah. The other 48 won't. So those two or three kids are the, are the special ones, the ones that, that love the game and, and are going to develop and become better. And the other 48, you know, it's just going to be for them a fun 
a fun thing to do at the weekend. Hopefully it's going to be a fun thing for them to do at the weekend and during the week. But for a lot of them, it's just a, an exercise that their parents put them in and the love for the game isn't necessarily that. Yeah, I mean, well, I think it's going to take some time for the love of the game. It's certainly a cultural thing. Um, usually, I have found that the kids are involved and in, in, in are aware and love the things that get covered through media coverage, obviously with the NFL or baseball or the NBA, and the kids are about it and they love it. And I follow it and I enjoy the NFL as well. But it's something right now where there's a generational gap where the people that the marketing and the commercials and things are geared towards, a lot of them are towards people with money who are parents who didn't necessarily grow up on the game. Now, we've seen a bit of a cultural shift just within the last 20 years, and I think uh, a little bit more and more. You saw that in the 2010 World Cup with ESPN's coverage, which was excellent, and you saw sort of the average person out at a out at a restaurant or on the street that had a, a better understanding of the game and was sort of interested in, in the technique and the skill of it, and it's no longer just labeled a sissy sport. So, you know, I think we're making some changes, and it's going to hopefully change where then, you know, the dad is telling his kid, hey, let's go pass the ball around as opposed to let's just go throw the football around. You know, it's going to take some time, but that, like anything in life, it does. It doesn't just happen overnight. The 2010 also. World Cup, Obviously, you can't rely on the World Cup because if the no. US has a bad showing in Brazil in 2014, yeah. you know, then you could be taking steps backwards. So but people had the be... thirst for a lot of the other games. The US didn't do incredibly well. They had that one game with Algeria where they scored late, but they lost in well, the round of 16. So Yeah, but that's decent for the US. That's a good showing for them. So that's my point. If they get knocked out in the group stage... I was disappointed. I was disappointed. You should be an England fan. After Algeria, after Algeria and that, and then go and play, we should have uh, had better, done but better this is, this is the issue. If the US don't qualify for the 2014 World Cup, or they get to the 2014 World Cup and don't make it through the group, then people's interest in the US will plummet. You think it will plummet? I don't. Absolutely. I think we already have a... a there's, a, there's mostly a year-round thirst. The US national team games aren't highly uh, rated and with TV viewers. It's Champions League. It's... It's World Cup. It's not. It's your. It's the Euros. We just saw right here. If you look at the figures with the, Euros, in the US, European Championship. I mean, I don't have these figures in front of me, but if you look no. at the figures for the average I, MLS yeah. game that's watched on I, TV I against the World Cup games. Well, I understand that you because it is, but those come once every four years, and you can't rely on that to to springboard you. I think it. That's what I'm. But saying. the thirst of the English Premier League, the thirst of the Champions League, people. I don't think just the U.S. having a, a, yes, it gives up maybe a short-term boost. I and mean, you saw that with the Women's World Cup in 99 when they won. There was quite a boost. But at the end of the day, you know, women's soccer, um, did it? Did the professional league survive? No, it got a little bit of a boost. And it, we've seen a little bit of a boost here after the uh, London Olympics, which with coverage and exposure. But within a month or two, unfortunately, the women's game's probably going to fall back into uh, the background again. So I think it has to do less with our U.S. national team, I mean, as much as it is important, and more to do with continuing for people to love the game, the high level of the game. Yeah, but this is this is the issue. You've got now people looking elsewhere for their soccer identity and culture. So you've got people in America watching the European Champions League or the, or the British Premier League. But we're in a global world now. I mean, that's we can reach sure, but it's not to, so to improve the culture of the U.S., Soccer landscape. You need to improve the MLS. But don't they just need, need a dream? Don't these... they just need a, those kids need a dream to hold on to, to look at somebody, to see Messi, to see Ronaldo, to to work on those techniques. Well, let's look at the American players. We look at the Dempsey. Where does he play? Yeah, I mean, he's England. Yeah, oh, he plays in England. You know, you look at. But you can. See, you even said it yourself. You can see more games in America than you can in England. 
it's not it's almost not an excuse anymore for these kids not to but this is the problem if you're a US player where do you want to go and play in the US yeah you want to play in England you want to get out of the US and go to Europe now if you're you're a player in Norway and you're a really good player in Norway or a good player in Holland you don't you want to maybe play for Ajax or Feyenoord or you, where do you want to go? You still want to go to, to Spain or you to look England? At, you to look at the size of Norway yeah, and the amount of yeah. people they have there. Yeah. In comparison to the United States, the United States has got more people. It's got a bigger country. It's got a lot more teams, well, potential to have more yeah. teams. You know, But that hasn't happened because the infrastructure isn't there. So people jump in ship because the ship here is not big enough for them. Whereas in England, you know, we're a small country. We've got majority of the best players in the world playing there That's mainly yeah, because yeah. of the money it is. But, well, it is but also because it's a good level now the MLS has to pick up its level to be able to retain some of its better and it players. has made strides there's no doubt about that it has made tons of strides it has made strides absolutely but it needs to make a lot more if it's going to become a league that is going to retain players you yep. look at the Brazilian league at the moment they're hosting the World Cup in 2014 they've been able to keep hold of players like Neymar because I think one there's more interest in the local league with the World Cup coming up. They got a little bit of a tax break too. They and they've got it. a little bit more money there, yeah, and they're, they're given sponsorship deals and whatnot. But you know, the fact that Neymar might move to Europe at some stage is probably inevitable. But the fact that he's staying in Brazil for the time being is a huge, huge thing for the nation. Whereas in the MLS, as soon as a good player comes through, they try and get him out to Europe as soon uh, as they can. Yeah, they do and they don't. They've been really tough about that. But you look at the do. youth players that come through. A lot of them, they don't go to the MLS academies. If they get the chance to go to Arsenal's academy or they get the chance to go over to Manchester United... Well, of course, though. Straight but you, away. And you can't blame those players for doing that. You can't, you know, so you have to go... Your career is your career and it's short, so you have a... But when we the look at... The window is so small that you need to get yourself the best education, footballing education that you can, so... I mean, I, I agree. that. So, yes, we're going to start retaining more players and we the goal is to retain more players. But if we get better players... Because they go to other countries, and then it helps our national team when it comes back. Is their trickle down effect? I mean, there's so many different variables and factors that can lead to. I mean, Landon stayed in, in MLS, and he's helped MLS a lot, and he's still been able to do really well uh, on the international level for the United States. Uh, when he's had his uh, sniffs over in England at Everton, he's done well in the couple months spells that he's been there. So certainly, our players can play there, and he chose to stay. I mean, that's one one player who has so. Yeah, yeah, that's one player that stayed. But my point is, well, the, the league's got to be financially stable. They if, got if they got to make a profit to be able to be you stable. Said as a they player, have a long term process. The MLS has. You said as a player that you've got to put yourself in the best footballing yeah. environment. So the best footballing environment for an American player isn't America. No, that's a problem. Yeah. Well, that's now you're sending but that's them to the England. Problem for every, that's the problem for every country that's not Spain, England, Germany. But why is England the best footballing culture? the best environment well I mean it's just the top league it's not really the best environment in terms of developing players we exactly that, so. we haven't won the World Cup no. since 1966 yeah, so true. why would you be so quick to send your players well, to a league you don't want to send them there but you you want to send them to if you it's more about the if you're in the professional academies it's different because you're already I mean Arsenal's academy is fantastic they produce tons of young players whether they're and they're finding them all over the world not just the majority of probably their youth is still not just English players, but probably either French players or African players or somewhere else around Europe. So, uh, you know, I, yes, we want to get into different environments. We want to get to different places. But that will be uh, a topic for another time. I think that's all the time we have for uh, this podcast. We're going to be getting into a whole lot more topics. 
throughout future podcasts. Uh, we know that there are going to be lots of discussions, lots of agreements, lots of disagreements, uh, lots of topics to dive into. So we hope you enjoy your time. Ben, thank you for being here. Thank you, Sean. And we will see you next time. This is Youth Soccer in America. Oh, my God.